with Drew Code Sports Talk. I am coming at you with a solo episode tonight. It is just me. Uh, Drew and I couldn't get our schedules uh, matched up tonight, so it is just me recording. I am recording this on uh, Thursday night. It is about 10 p.m. my time. Uh, so anyways, I'm just going to go over some quick stuff uh, regarding the world of sports, primarily in the NFL, since that's kind of the hot thing that's going on right now. But uh, before I get started, please don't forget to uh, hit that follow button for us. Uh, hit the subscribe button on YouTube, you know, find us on all your podcast platforms and give us a subscribe there as well. And also visit us on our social media sites at, uh, you know, True Code Sports Talk. Uh, you can find us on TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, we're also still on threads as well. So find us on all those platforms or you can visit truecodesportstalk.com for all that content stuff. So let's get started. So like I said, I'm kind of recording pretty late tonight. Uh, it's just myself, as I mentioned. So I'm just going to do a quick little dive right now into the NFL and stuff that's been going on. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but this uh, this week one was actually pretty exciting. Some really good football that was played and some interesting stuff that has transpired. I think uh, we can all agree that there are some teams that we thought shouldn't have looked as good did really well and uh, I think some teams that we all thought were going to probably be in the tank not so much they all came out and it was really great competitive football a lot of things that I would uh, you know a lot of question marks and some teams that I would you know say you know the Eagles being one of them Drew and I talked about that immensely uh, you know the Bengals didn't look so great I know that there was a lot of high praise for uh, the Steelers and then they completely got shellacked by the Niners so you know, just a handful of stuff. Oh, can't can't I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up the Chicago Bears and the whole Justin Field hype. There was a lot behind that. But anyways, I don't want to jump around too, too much. But that's just some stuff that I that I saw from this past uh, football week that uh, got me kind of excited about this upcoming season and stuff. So I did want to dive into it a little bit. Uh, so uh, Thursday night football did play tonight. It did kick off week two. We had the Eagles and the Vikings played if if you're just listening to this now and you haven't watched ESPN or or seen any of the highlights, I'm so sorry I'm you're late to the party, but uh the Eagles did defeat the Vikings at home 34 to 28. Uh the uh, Eagles did at one point have a 27 to 7 lead over the Vikings and then the Vikings did come back, still fell short, but still did their best to make it a game so to speak and and to try to claw their way back. Uh Kirk Cousins had a stat line of uh Basically, 364 passing yards, four touchdowns. Uh, Justin Jefferson had 11 receptions for 159 yards. Uh, Jalen Hurts only threw for 150 or 193 yards. He had three total touchdowns, one rush or two rushing and one passing. And then DeAndre Swift was probably the player of the game on this one. He had 28 carries for 175 rushing yards and a touchdown. He probably single-handedly won the Eagles this game just with his rushing ability and, you know, when they needed to run out the clock, they were able to hand him the ball and he was able to do it. But uh, I was actually texting with Drew earlier when this game was starting and at first, like the first, I'd say, four to five possessions for each team looked very miserable. Uh, Eagles had a hard time, you know, uh, sustaining a drive against the Vikings. Uh, the Vikings had uh, very minimal movement with the ball themselves, so it was definitely one of those games where they were trying to feel each other out. Uh, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the Eagles struck first with a field goal, and then the Vikings came with the first offensive touchdown. Uh, 
And then after that, it was just kind of more or less of just a little defensive effort, a little punt action game going on. And then in the second quarter, the Eagles were able to get it rolling just a little bit, and they were able to um, you know, score a touchdown, get a field goal. They were up uh, at halftime, scored a couple more times in the third quarter. Uh, but in the fourth quarter is where the uh, Vikings really came to life, and that was when the ball was able to move around a little bit. I think some teams made some adjustments, and it helped out a lot. Uh, one of the things that Drew and I were talking about when it came to the Eagles, and he brought this point up, so I, he's the one that mentioned this, that he truly believes in the Super Bowl hangover, uh, where you know if you're the team of uh, if you're the team that went to the Super Bowl and lost, uh, you know obviously there's a ton of pressure on you to repeat. Uh, you know his famous phrase uh, that he likes to say is now there's tape on you. Uh, teams are are going to prepare a little bit differently for you. Uh, and he does believe that the Eagles just don't feel like the same since the Super Bowl. And, you know, you know, the examples are the Patriots game where they got off to a hot start and then the Patriots defense, you know, kind of clamped down on him. Now, granted, it was a really rainy uh, game. So, you know, throwing the ball was a little difficult. But, you know, Mac Jones also threw for over 300 yards in the same weather. So, you know, maybe it was the game plan. But uh, you know, regardless, though, uh, you know, you look to that evidence in terms of like the Eagles just don't seem to have the same offensive firepower that they used to. And again, maybe it's because they're not taking the league by storm or surprising people anymore, like what Drew's point is. Uh, but, you know, his overall point was like this team just doesn't look like that they um, that they are nearly as prepared or able to move the ball as successfully as they were as they were last season. Uh, you know, and I would say, you know, some part of that is right. Another part of that, too, is, you know, this unit or the starters didn't really play a whole lot of preseason football together. I mean, they had obviously had training camp together and all that. But, you know, this uh, the Eagles didn't really go three or four weeks of uh, of preseason ball to, like, warm up for the season. Very minimal starters were uh, played any of the preseason. So. You know, the first three to four weeks of any team is going to be figuring out how, you know, how one another gels with uh, with themselves, you know, what plays work out and personnel that works out together. And of course, too, you got to account for, uh, you know, stamina and all all the other factors that go into like the early part of a season. So, you know, there are some teams that look like that they are well built for it. You know, the Cowboys had a really great showing in week one against the Giants. Uh, 49ers had a great showing against the Steelers. Eagles, not so much against the Patriots. They still won. Same thing in this game. I mean, they put up a lot of points, but it seemed that they struggled. Uh, so, you know, I can't dismiss Drew's point exactly about the Super Bowl hangover. But, you know, I will say a couple of weeks of this, and I, I think that they'll iron some things out. Uh, you know, they still really haven't gotten A.J. Brown fully involved in the offense. Like he's getting he's getting targeted, but he's not having those big plays. Uh, you know, Jalen Hurts hasn't really flung the football too much like he was last season. So, you know, we'll see how the rest of the obviously how the rest of the season goes. And I would say for the next two to three weeks, we'll really see this team kind of form into their offense. And, uh, you know, I still believe that they're, you know, that. Uh, the top team in the NFC, even with the 49ers or the Cowboys. Uh, so we'll see how they develop throughout the season as a team. And, and, you know, barring any injuries, they should still be overwhelming favorites and probably by all accounts will work all this out. But 
Nevertheless, though, in this game, they did look like that they struggled a lot chemistry-wise, uh, timing. And, you know, again, it's only week two, and they're on a short week because they played on uh, on Sunday, of course. And so they had a quick turnaround, and so did the Vikings. So, you know, it was a pretty high-scoring game by all accounts. But, you know, again, looks like we're still in the middle of uh, early football. So it'll probably look a little bit more ugly than it does beautiful uh, for the next few weeks. But anyways, that was the first game that kicked off week two. Uh, and I want to kind of go back a little bit to week one and talk about uh, just a couple of games that uh, that I saw that I was really intrigued by and uh, probably the most popular games. I mean, we could talk about every single team in the NFL, but I think these are the ones that really captured my attention at least. And, you know, if they didn't capture yours, that's totally fine. Uh, you know, if you did have a game that I missed and you want me to talk about it or you want to bring it up, you're more than welcome to drop it into the comments or, uh, you know, shoot us a message regarding it on this episode. And I'd be more than happy to address it as well. Uh, but, uh, you know, in week one, I think one of the uh, crazier things, or not crazy, I would say, but the more surprising things, I think, was, you know, Sunday Night Football, we had the Dallas Cowboys and the New York Giants uh, at MetLife Stadium, of course. And it was obviously, of course, an NFC East rivalry game, Cowboys and Giants classic. Great fo- great game, by all accounts, to end the night on. Or so we were hoping for. But no, we had a 40, 40 to nothing uh, score, Cowboys victory, of course. and. Uh, I think the unfortunate part is like we knew the Cowboys defense coming into it was going to be very, very good. I mean, obviously, it's been touted as probably their best defense in the last decade that they've ever had. And it looked exactly like that. Their secondary was great. They were able to get pressure to the quarterback very easily. Um, You know, but I think another thing, too, that was concerning is the Giants, I thought, had a lot of. I wouldn't say hype, but there was a lot of enthusiasm coming out of the New York Giants camp about they were going to be a legit playoff team and that, you know, with their, uh, with their new coach, uh, Dable and, you know, their new $40 million quarterback, Daniel Jones, that, uh, you know, they were going to be, you know, a contender in the East, especially, you know, to compete with the Cowboys and the, and the Eagles. And man, I don't know if they knew that they had a game that night because it they just looked so unprepared. Now, granted, there was some weather that affected it. Um, I'm not going to say that there was, you know, uh, a lot of throwing of the football. Like, I mean, Dak Prescott aired it out pretty well for, you know, the weather itself. But, you know, Giants just didn't seem to look like they can get anything going. Their defense looked okay from times. I mean, I think what didn't help is that there was such a huge lead that ballooned out so quickly. That essentially, you know, the Cowboys could have played whatever game plan that they wanted once they were up. And the Giants essentially could not make up any ground. I mean, it was 16 nothing by the end of the first quarter, 26 nothing by halftime. And, um, you know, multiple turnovers by Daniel Jones. I mean, he sacked seven times. Uh, Saquon Barkley had, you know, only 12 rushes. He was able to get four, almost four and a half yards per rush, though. So that's, I mean, really their only positive. But I mean, their whole, their rush game outdid Daniel Jones's passing game, and it just was not great. Uh, they had five fumbles as a team. They, uh, they lost one of them, recover, uh, recovered four. Um, and then the Cowboys just put it on them. And I think, and I don't want to say I'm surprised by how good the Cowboys were. I just think 
the score seemed so lopsided and there was such an assumption that the Giants were going to be so competitive and then for them to not look competitive I think was the most concerning thing. Uh, so, I mean, I think that the Cowboys are a really good team in the NFC. Uh, I did say this, though, on our episode where we did, you know, the uh, where we did the record prediction when we talked about the NFC East. You know, I'm not a fan of the Cowboys, not because of their defense, but because of their offense. Dak Prescott, for multiple seasons now, has been a turnover machine. Uh, you know, it just seems like every time that this team is ready to take the next step, offensively, it looks like they take a step back. It's usually their defense that has developed and gotten better over the years. I remember, I mean, several seasons ago where they were literally the worst defense in the league. And then just each new year, it seems that they do something that makes it a little bit better, a little bit better. Now it's arguably number one in the entire NFL. But that offense, though, is probably what will be their Achilles heel. And no pun intended to the Aaron Rodgers thing. I'll get to that in a minute. But you know, no pun intended on that. But regardless, though, with the with the Cowboys, I just don't trust Dak Prescott in this offense to maintain. And now that they don't have Kellen Moore, who is kind of the offensive guru, it goes back to Mike McCarthy play, uh, play calling. And I think that's questionable to begin with. Um, and so we'll see. I mean, Cowboys m- probably are the strongest team in that division to compete with the with the Eagles. I've got to restrain a little bit of uh, a little bit of of uh, some caution, I suppose, or my expectations. I'm going to taper a little bit just because I don't know if the Giants are that good to where this 40 to nothing score is as large as I think. Like it's an NFL team, absolutely no doubt. But like for example, if the Giants go four and you know what is what is it four and thirteen. You know, this looks like a typical loss on the Giants, and it was a bad season. But, you know, if if this is a 40-point blowout with the Giants team that's like a wild-card team, like 9-8 like nine and eight or 7 or 10-7, and seven, excuse me, then, yeah, I think this is huge. But I want to see, you know, in the next week, uh, I think that they're going against, it's another of uh, the Jets, and unfortunately, they don't have Aaron Rodgers here. So it'll be a Zach Wilson outing, which, God bless him, this is going to be a tough defense to play against. But that means uh, Dak's going to go against a really tough defense in the Jets as well. So I want to see how, if this Cowboys team is legit before I start saying, wow, best team in the NFC or in the East at least. So that was one of the games, of course, Cowboys and the Giants. Second one, of course, I mean, I can't go an episode without talking about the Raiders, of course. I'm going to be very brief, though, with that, about it because, again, this, is, this week one stuff is now over with. We're kind of moving on to week two, of course. But I just want to say the one thing that I was really excited for about the Raiders that I saw, and I told this to Drew too, we were texting literally throughout the entire game. And it was fantastic because we, what I think I saw as a huge difference maker is the defense looked better. And I, what I mean is, it, I mean, the coverage defense, pretty much the same. It didn't really change. I thought the pressure defense got better as the game wore on. But one of my biggest things that I noticed was our open field tackling immensely approved. Uh, anytime Russell Wilson threw it out into like a screen or to the flat or to a receiver that, yeah, was open, but, you know, there wasn't a whole, a whole lot of broken tackles and yards after the catch. The Raiders pretty much were able to make the open field tackle and basically stop whatever progress that was made 
on said play. And I think there was a ton of third downs that were stopped to where they were fourth downs. One of the things I was extremely proud of of the Raiders, which I didn't see last season, was there were some game, there were some uh, some drives that the uh, that the Broncos had, and I'm specifically it was roughing the kicker, uh, the drive where we were called roughing the kicker, and that basically gave new life to the Broncos to get back into the red zone and try to score a touchdown. And I believe we held them to only a field goal. Now, last season, in my opinion, that would have been a touchdown because our defense would be on the field too long. We'd make crucial mistakes and we would pay for it. And before you know it, we were giving up a touchdown to the opposing team. But last week against the Broncos, and again, maybe it's just the Broncos. Um, however, I will say that they had a lot of hype on them with Sean Payton and Russell Wilson and all that other stuff. So I will say like this team was by all accounts supposed to be more improved and more organized and all that other stuff. But regardless though, I think one of the things that was super positive about this was, you know, the Raiders were actually able to make a stop. Now, granted a perfect thing would have been if they caused a turnover or, you know, they were able to walk off the field with no points given up, but no, they gave up a field goal, which is huge considering that, Obviously, the entire game, they only gave up 16 points. But the fact that we got to that point to where our defense did not let us down in the sense of like they just allowed the the team to score. They actually, you know, put up a wall of resistance and, you know, they were able to push back and stop the drive and, you know, get the offense back on the field. And, you know, granted, granted some of the other things, I t- too, that I saw was, you know, the offense looked okay. Josh Jacobs ran incredibly well, considering that he was gone all of training camp and preseason. He looked phenomenal for the week one. Jimmy G looked pretty good. He looked like he was on the same page with uh, Devontae Adams. Uh, you know, Jacoby Myers was uh, outstanding that whole game, caught two touchdowns for us. Um, you know, one, and, but the thing that I was kind of disappointed with, um, with Jimmy G, was that, you know, he, I didn't see a whole lot of challenging throws down the field. And I don't want to compare Carr to. Jimmy G, I feel like that's a dead horse that we're beating. But, you know, I do remember Carr would at least go deep and cha- and keep the defense honest and challenge those safeties and, you know, not allow them to be able to just hang out up there and, and you know, just completely take away the long, the long ball for us, so to speak. But, you know, one of the things I am happy with is that Jimmy G was able to, you know, galvanize the team get them to a victory. Would I have liked to see him challenge down the field a little bit more? I would have. I would have liked to see him take a little bit more shots, but he played ultimately good football. He didn't, he didn't throw a whole lot of, uh, he didn't pass for a whole lot of yards, but it got the job done. Now, we have a huge challenge ahead of us against the Bills. I'll talk about that shortly, but I will say I was very happy, and those were a couple of takeaways that I had with the Raiders. So I'm curious to see how our defense is going to look against the Bills. I'm curious to see how the offense is going to continue to look. And I'm, conti- I'm curious to see if they're going to actually continue to play some, some good football. You know, penalties are still a problem, but I mean, penalties were a problem for the Broncos too. So I mean, kind of splitting hairs there. But for the most part, uh, I'm curious to see how we do against a, uh, against a really good defense and how we respond to it. So uh, leading, actually, ironically, into the next one, I want to just give some praise to Derek Carr. Again, he's Fresno State alum, Derek Carr. Uh, I thought it was really cool that he won his first game with the Saints. Uh, there's been a, a clip circling social media. Uh, I think it was uh, shared by the Inside the NFL uh, 
and then also I saw it on Bleacher Report and a couple other platforms. But basically, towards the end of the fourth quarter, um, you know, he was talking to it looked like either the quarterback coach or the OC, where he said, "Hey, I want to take another shot." And you know, then he's talking to his uh, his one of his young receivers, and he basically said, "Hey, uh, if I sell you a go route, I need you to run as fast as you can." And then the series that they're about to take the field, he tells his guy, Hey man, freaking run, just freaking run. So sure enough, man, on that drive, the guy makes it for a go route and Derek Carr just throws up a pretty bomb and he comes down with it and essentially seals the game. And, uh, it was absolutely fantastic. And it's great to see that he saw that dialed it up and, and, uh, obviously came away with the victory. I think the Saints are uh, an underdog NFL, uh, not NFL, NFC team that I think could be a dark horse in that race. I mean, now that they have an upgrade at quarterback, they have a sensational defense. Uh, I think you give them some weeks to really build some more, um, you know, continuity, get some more confidence, get a rhythm going. And I think that they're going to even be better offensively once they get Alvin Kamara back and, uh, you know, Michael Thomas looks pretty good. Uh, you have Chris Olave that looks really, really good. Has a great connection with Derek Carr. Uh, you know, even even uh, Jawan Johnson looks pretty good. So I think by all accounts, you know, the offensive line is probably a qu- huge question mark. I know that that was uh, Andrew's concern with uh, the Saints for Derek Carr, but you know, obviously, I think Derek Carr's dealt with his fair share of poor offensive lines, and he's made it work. And they made it work this past Sunday against Tennessee, and that was a pretty good test too, because Tennessee's defense always comes hot and uh you know it's great to see them come away with that win so uh you know another another game that i found very surprising is the 49ers against the steelers um you know i think we all knew that the 49ers were going to come in here absolutely on fire um i think we didn't realize how bad they were going to demolish a mike tomlin coach steelers team like Kenny Pickett had all these praise about, you know, watch for the second year uh, step forward. Uh, you know, him and George Pickens are on the same page and all that stuff. Man, the 49ers could not have shut that down quick enough. First quarter, quiet, 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 quiet. Uh, with Christian McCaffrey now in this offense after a full offseason and getting, you know, essentially an entire arsenal you know, created for him out of the playbook. He looks so unstoppable now. Rock Purdy coming back, of course. A clear, he's a clear starter, of course, as San Francisco traded away or, you know, traded uh, uh, was uh, Trey Lance to the Cowboys uh, in the offseason. And, uh, you know, Brock Purdy, by all accounts, looked like he solidified himself as that, as that franchise QB for them, which is fantastic. I'm hoping he can keep it up. I know that the teams will get tougher as the weeks go on, but, you know, that's a really good test was that Steelers defense because, you know, they were supposed to come into the league as one of the top defenses and 49ers handled them like it was nothing. And I mean, granted, TJ Watt still got his stats and was able to get pressure and stuff, but I mean, it looked like Brock Purdy didn't have any problem uh, in that game against that defense, so. Uh, just a brief couple of things to Trevor Lawrence and Calvin Ridley look absolutely scary. Um, they probably have a top five combination on their hands there. And, uh, you know, there's a plethora of rep of weapons. Uh, Trevor Lawrence looks really confident now in Doug Peterson's offense. 
And uh, I'm just curious to see if this defense can hold together. I mean, they had a little bit of a scare against the Colts uh, the past Sunday with the, you know, rookie quarterback, Anthony Richardson, who looked pretty good himself, too. Um, But nevertheless, the Jags look great. And Lawrence and Ridley, man, just in that first half looked absolutely electric, which to no surprise. I mean, if anyone who remembered Calvin Ridley from his time with the Falcons with an aging Matt Ryan, he looked, he looked unstoppable himself. And now you get him with a quarterback with a, a stronger arm, younger man. They are, they're going to be extremely scary for the rest of the league and uh, an extremely high powered offense. Probably one of those offenses that might be able to keep up with, you know, the chargers or, or the chiefs, if it comes to like a high scoring game. So that's uh, absolutely insane on their part. Um, and then of course, to just, completely uh close on the week one you know i'd be remiss if we didn't talk about aaron Rodgers uh tearing his achilles you know four plays into the into his uh start to the new york jets um you know it's super unfortunate i think what makes this tough too is he's an older quarterback i'm not sure if he turned 40 yet but i think he's like 39 and on the back door basically a 40 and he tears his achilles which by the way is on some some levels like career ending or career altering for sure type of injury and just to see how it was done so early on too which is unfortunate i mean it had been very exciting to see him with this young jets team to see what he can do because i mean it looked like by all accounts he was doing everything right this offseason and you know i I think it's unfortunate that he got injured and we're not going to have a season with aaron Rodgers. and uh, you know i think the huge the biggest question is is he going to rehab and come back i mean i think I think essentially like the earliest he would be able to come back would be next year. I mean, only because he tore it in week one. So in theory, like if he rehabs and everything goes completely right, might be able to get back by some point next season. But I mean, who knows? He's an old quarterback. Hopefully there's no complications, but I don't know. I, some part of me thinks that, you know, Aaron Rodgers in the middle of his rehab will probably just hang it up. I mean, he really has nothing else to prove. He's got, you know, at least a Super Bowl, four MVPs. He's noted as one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. You know, would it have been nice to see him have another Super Bowl to solidify that? Yeah, would have. But, you know, I, I think what's unfortunate is he, there's just some injury catastrophic that just happened. And now we're going to be without Rodgers. And the question would be, you know, is he going to rehab and come back? So, uh let me know what you think. Do you, if you think that Aaron Rodgers is going to come back or if he should just retire from this injury, it sounds like he's going to try to give it a go. I mean, he just had surgery. I think today, again, I'm recording this on Thursday night. So, um, you know, we'll see. Um, but the other half of that though, too, is with Aaron Rodgers being out. Now you have Zach Wilson and I don't know about you guys, but I have been seeing, I watch first take in the morning while I'm getting ready. And of course, a lot of the questions are, can the jets be led by Zach Wilson? Should the Jets trade for a quarterback? Should they sign a quarterback? And, uh, you know, I was texting, ironically enough, I was texting Drew on Monday when I asked him almost that exact same question. I'm like, hey, man, do you think Zach Wilson's good enough to, like, lead the Jets to, like, maybe the playoffs? And I kid you not, I couldn't have sent sent no more than 10 seconds and then uh, following that and... Zach Wilson nearly throws a pick and I think only a drive or two later, he throws a pick right to Matt Milano, like right in his chest as if he was throwing it to him the entire time. And it just kind of put a pin on everything of like, 
I don't think Zach Wilson's the guy. And I don't believe the Jets believe that he's the guy. I mean, granted, you know, on hard knocks, by all accounts, it looks like Aaron Rodgers did his best to kind of take him under his wing and get him to see things differently uh, and all that stuff, which is great. But it's still, I mean, he still had a tough game against the Bills. And granted, the Bills are not a uh, just a pushover defense. They're they are probably a top ten defense or so in the NFL, and they're very tough. And if you know Zach Wilson, by all accounts, probably has some shaken confidence because he's been benched a handful of times. Um, you know, other than seeing preseason action, he hasn't really seen any first team defense type of stuff. So, you know, by all accounts, like it's a, it's a defense he's going to struggle against, but you know, there's still a lot of questions about his maturity, if he can protect the ball. And, uh, you know, I've heard everything from the jets should trade for Matthew Stafford. They should trade for Garner Minshew. They should sign Tom Brady. You know, and I, I really don't know because on one hand, the jets have to figure out if they're going to try to make a push to the playoffs and then see what happens. Um, Definitely not Super Bowl aspirations. I think they all realized that that was out the door when Aaron Rodgers got injured. And, uh, you know, I feel bad for Zach at some point, but at the same time, too, um, they did draft you to be the franchise, and you still haven't accepted being the franchise. You've regressed by all accounts. Really no, not sure if, uh, you know, he's really improved from his mistakes or not. And... I don't know. I I don't know how complicated this playbook is to where you can just say, yeah, just trade for somebody and that should work because, you know, there was all accounts last season that Jets had a a defense that could have led them to victories and all they needed was a comparable quarterback and they probably would have gotten to the playoffs and gone pretty far. And I don't know. Uh, it doesn't they look like they're almost in worse situation than when they were last year and essentially they've had the same quarterback so i I mean i again i feel bad for zach but we'll see i I, if i had to make a guess i would say that i would i would guess that the giant the jets excuse me are gonna make a trade for a quarterback what quarterback that would be i have no idea i don't know why the rams would trade for matthew stafford um I think they're going to wait to see Cooper Cup come back with Matthew Stafford and they're going to let that ride out. Um, I don't know if the Jets want to give up any more assets to get uh, Matthew Stafford. I don't know if maybe they want to swap Zach Wilson for Matthew Stafford. I know that Sean McVay probably would entertain having uh, Zach Wilson, but I don't know if that's ever going to happen. And I don't know of any quarterback that jumps off the page to me that would make a huge difference that's that's available to be honest i don't know i heard some rumor that kyler murray's gonna get traded over there which i mean it wouldn't be a bad situation but i don't think the jets are gonna trade for a quarterback that's already injured and you know now you got to rehab him and all that stuff i don't know if that they're gonna do that but anyways who knows all right so i'm gonna close that page on week one that was just some of the talking points that i had circled that i was curious to talk about I, you're right. I did not bring up the Ravens. I didn't bring up the Bengals. I didn't bring up the Chargers or the Chiefs and the Lions. I mean, we talked about that in our last episode, but I don't really need to talk about that. I really thought that some of those points were probably more that was on my mind that I was thinking about. But, you know, if there's some that I missed in week one or you want to bring up anything from week one, just let me know in the comments or uh, drop it into the uh, 
into the episode here. But uh, I only have a couple of week two previews. Um, I think a really cool thing is a, there's an AFC North matchup between the Bengals and the Ravens. So this is where I'm going to now squeeze in the Bengals. Um, I'm curious to see if the Bengals will get back on track. I know that when they had their game in Cleveland against the Browns, it was a very uh, rainy weather. So throwing the ball was very tough. Uh, you know, got to give a little bit of compassion to Joe Burrow, who, um, you know, hadn't played really any football in 10 months other than some practices here and there, and then goes out there and, and plays a full game. He was only able to throw for 82 yards and pretty much had his worst professional game ever uh, last Sunday. And he's going against the Ravens. Now, I don't know if the Ravens defense is as good or better or worse than the Browns, but I have a feeling Joe Burrow is going to be um, a man on the mission to correct his mistakes. And I would imagine that he's going to have a better outing um, this upcoming Sunday against the Ravens. And plus, it's a div- divisional opponent. I mean, in at least my AFC North predictions, I had the Bengals and the Raving, uh, Ravens tying essentially with the same record, but the Ravens uh, ultimately taking the AFC North crown from the Bengals. But um, yeah, I, I can't see Joe Burrow having two terrible weeks in a row. I'm also curious to see if the Ravens offense can get a little bit sharper. I want to see if they're going to get OBJ involved a little bit more. Zay Flowers looks like he's probably the go-to guy for that offense just because of how fast he is. And, and uh, you know, I, it looks like him and Lamar have a pretty good connection. I know that J.K. Dobbins just went down with an, a torn Achilles himself. And so now there's a huge scramble to find out who the starting running back is going to be. And, you know, for sure, it's Lamar's still going to be probably the leading rusher. but you know, they're going to be running a pretty thin uh, running back room over there in, in, uh, in Baltimore. So I'm curious to see, you know, which of these teams is going to essentially, you know, come out on top. And, you know, and now with the Browns, how badly they beat, uh, uh, you know, the Bengals, they have, I believe it's a Monday night game against the Steelers. So I'm curious to see if the Browns are for real. And I don't know, too, because the offense is still out on that, in my opinion. But their defense looks great. But I'm curious to see now, because, I mean, arguably, the AFC North is one of the best divisions in all of football. You essentially got at least two prolific teams on there that could easily get into the playoffs and maybe even a third one if the Browns are any good or or whatnot. But, um, you know, one of the matchups, again, like I said, I'm curious about is the Bengals and the Ravens. There's just so much that is going into it. You know, Mark Andrews was out for week one I'm curious if he's going to go in week two and how effective he's going to be that'll really make the offense for the Ravens look even different um you know can the Bengals get you know all their weapons involved and incorporated and again I think it's going to hinge on um Joe Burrow how ready he is and I know timing's involved conditioning's involved so this is going to be a very good matchup for them on uh, on Sunday and another one I'm looking forward to is the Packers and the Falcons and I know Everyone's like, what Packers and Falcons? Why wasn't there, you know, Chargers or whatever, or Chiefs and Jaguars? That's a really good game too, by the way. Um, but I think the Packers one interests me a little bit because Jordan Love had a pretty good game against the Bears. Um, the Bears, I think, started week one, and there was this a lot of hype around them to succeed early on coming out the gates. They didn't. They looked essentially like the exact same Bears, just with new players. Justin Fields had, you know, 
over 200 passing yards, but only three passes went further than 10 yards, I think, in the air or some stat of that nature. So a majority of those throws were less than 10 yards and more or less the yards were earned after the catch. Um, but the Packers still look great on defense. Jordan Love had, I think, the number one QBR amongst all quarterbacks in in the league. So that was huge for his first, for his, uh, one of his, I think it was like his fourth or fifth start. But now he is like the number one guy. And, uh, you know, of course, this is what the Packers had drafted him for. And now we're going to see if he can put it all together. So I'm more curious about this game because I feel like the Falcons defense is probably middle of the pack. I mean, it's a good challenging defense. And I'm curious to see if, you know, the Packers defense can um, hold off this Falcons offense because I feel like they've got some weapons that could make them explosive. But I'm curious to know if Jordan Love can continue his success. It'd be a really interesting story because I remember when the news broke that he was drafted in the first round. And, you know, of course, it was off of an NFC championship loss from the Packers and really they just need like a offensive specialist or even a different defensive player and they go quarterback first round and there was just so much drama behind that and now that he's getting his opportunity I'm I'm curious to see if he can continue that opportunity and uh, you know again it's one of the games I'm really curious about and uh, you know the third game that of course I'm gonna that I'm gonna be paying attention to and, and really looking forward to is the, the Raiders versus the Bills. Um, this is in Buffalo. Um, I'm nervous about this one because, you know, again, Josh Allen did not have the greatest games on Monday night um, in, in, in New York uh, against the Jets. Clearly, you know, there's an argument that could be made that the Jets didn't win that game. Josh Allen lost the, the Bills that game because, of, you know, through three interceptions, he had a fumble, so he had four total turnovers. And, you know, he looked like he was trying to go for the home run, home run ball every other turn, and it just wasn't working out. And rather than being smart with the ball, he was a little careless. And then, you know, of course, throws a temper tantrum because, you know, he's not getting his way. And, you know, I think a lot of the success of the Bills is going to predicate on Josh Allen being smart with the football, protecting it, not throwing it away, not giving it to the other team. And putting his defense at a worse uh, predicament or ruining drives for his offense. So I think Josh Allen is now motivated and is probably hungry for a victory. And, you know, the, one, of my, one of the things I've always said that the Raiders are sometimes is they are the bounce back game. So for many, many years, uh, when the Raiders essentially haven't been the greatest team, they're on the greatest defense for sure. They're a team that, you know, for the most part, is the bounce back game that you want. I mean, for example, uh, last season, we went against the Arizona Cardinals. Arizona Cardinals, I think, lost their first game of week one. And there's a lot of question marks about Kyler Murray and that offense and all that stuff. Um, and then we go against them in week two, of course. This is in Las Vegas. And this is the famous game where, you know, we had the lead on the Cardinals. They came back and then they also beat us in overtime. And, you know, Kyler Murray essentially has one of the greatest, you know, single plays where he ran all over the field on a two point conversion and it went for like 15 to 20 seconds. And it looked like literally a video game out of Madden where they, we're, we pressured him all the way to like the 20 yard line. And then he, you know, was able to get free and then find an open guy. And, 
you know, again, the Raiders lost that game and it was one of those things where like, it looked like, you know, Kyler Murray was on track to, you know, he, he essentially got back on track. But I, again, what I always say is that the Raiders are like that game where you get back on track, you get your confidence because, you know, again, they're not the greatest team. They don't have the greatest defense and nine out of 10 times, you're going to probably have almost a career game against the Raiders. And so my fear is that our defense is going to get lit up by Josh Allen and that Bill's offense. Now, the only saving grace to that is our defense, our secondary is, is lackluster. Um, you know, Andrew would say he feels like it's gotten worse. Our linebacking core, he would say has gotten worse. I think our defense is again, slightly better by the sense of like, we did a lot better at open field tackling and we were a lot better at getting off the field on extended drives when we needed to, um, rather than previous seasons where, you know, the, the opposing team would just score on us at will. So, but with the bills though, again, my fear is like, this is their, their get back on track game where they're going to completely decimate the Raiders, get their confidence back and they're going to get back on track. Um, and also too, their defense is a very tough defense. And, you know, again, I still have question marks with our offense in terms of like, can Jimmy Garoppolo throw it down the field? Can he keep that defense honest? And, you know, by all accounts, it doesn't look like that they, that the bills have a cornerback that can shut down Devonte Adams, but they do have pressure that can get home very quickly. And can Jimmy G, you know, find whoever's open quickly? Can he protect himself first off to where he doesn't get injured in this game? Because last thing I want to see is Brian Hoyer running out on the field um, and, the now, and then being the current oldest active NFL quarterback to be, you know, taking a snap from a center. I don't want to see that for the Raiders. Um, so again, that's, that's what I'm nervous about is for these bills is are the bills going to use the Raiders as an example uh, to basically get back on track? And also too, this is going to test too how strong the Raiders are because, you know, again, if the Raiders are anything close to wanting to be competitive, um, the bills are that team that is going to test how much we've improved. I mean, hopefully I would like to think that, you know, the level of competition will raise our level of competition to where we'll play to that competition. So, if the Bills are, you know, this top five AFC NFL team, hopefully the Raiders can play on that level and put up a good fight and maybe come close and maybe even come out with a victory in Buffalo. But, you know, again, Buffalo is probably itching for a win. They are probably, you know, just going to be completely unstoppable and I'm I'm nervous for the Raiders. I'm hoping it's not a blowout. I don't think it'll be a blowout. But again, this could be one of those games where it's a get back on track game. And I feel like Josh Allen, this is his game to get his confidence back and, you know, to get people's confidence in him back to where he's one of the, you know, best quarterbacks in the league. Uh, so, you know, we will see. But, you know, for now in week two, those are the only two teams. Or those are the only three games that I really wanted to bring up. And of course, I didn't want to walk away without talking about my Raiders. So, um, but week two, though, has some great games. I mean, I think a fun one is, you know, I, I did breeze over it, but the Chiefs and the Jaguars is in Jacksonville. So I'm curious to see how 
Jacksonville offense shapes up to the Chiefs defense. Um, you know, unless Kev, unless Travis Kelsey comes back, I think that this is going to be a, a a game where the Jaguars could probably walk away with this win pretty easily. But you know, we'll see. I think Travis Kelsey mentioned that he's feeling he- he's a lot healthier and he, so he's on track to play. So I think that'll that's going to be a really fun game uh, to see. Uh, Chargers in uh, and the Titans in Tennessee. I'm curious to see if the Chargers are going to bounce back from their loss to Miami. Um, you know, I know a lot of people are kind of getting on them for losing to Miami. You know, they had a lead on them, couldn't maintain that lead. Here's what I'll say. Miami probably has the fastest scoring offense in football. Um, I don't think there's any defense in the NFL that could stop Tyreek Hill. So is it a great look that the Chargers gave up a, another lead? Um, you know, in the in the first game of the week? No, it, it's not great. But Again, a little context, though. It's the Dolphins. It's Tyreek Hill. It's Jalen Waddell. Uh, Tua had a hell of a game. And, uh, you know, they had a very, you know, the Dolphins had a very similar winning uh, win to against the Ravens. Very similar where they came back through a bajillion yards and very similar to the same thing. So I'm curious to see if the Chargers will bounce back. I think they will. I mean, the Chargers are going against Tennessee and they don't seem like a threat offensively, but you know, defensively, they're a tough challenge, but I'm curious to see what Kellen Moore can dial up for Justin Herbert and the rest of the team to see if they can get the ball moving and, and how well they look. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that's pretty much it. I mean, we got the 49ers and Rams. That's an NFC West rivalry game. This is in uh, SoFi Stadium. I feel like San Francisco probably is going to decimate the Rams. I don't see the Rams really have a, a fighting shot, so we'll see. Uh, you know, Monday night football with the Panthers and the, and the Saints. I think on the surface, that sounds great. I mean, we'll see how Bryce, uh, Bryce Young does with the Panthers, but I think that's pretty much it. Quick recap of week two. Uh, if I miss any of the teams, please let me know. Uh, and I will try to do a recap of week two next week, of course, following uh, to kind of keep up on the NFL content and, uh, and uh, maybe even throw a little bit of fantasy football in there. I don't know if anyone else is playing fantasy football. I have a modest three leagues this year. Uh, and I say modest because if you listen to our last episode, uh, I told Drew that I at one point had like 10 or 12 fantasy teams. Um, that, that was really hard to manage. And I think that was at the height of my fantasy football addiction. And uh, honestly, a lot of those were actually, I'd want to say 90% of those were probably just where I, I just clicked on a random league that you can get from like NFL.com. I did a draft and then moved on or whatever. And uh, so I did a lot of those. So now I'm only at like a modest, uh, I have three, three teams that I'm, that I'm currently like really paying attention to. I really don't have any other throwaway ones. And currently right now I'm like two and one. I think if I had to, uh, out of the three leagues, I've won two and I lost one of them. So I'm not doing too bad, but we'll see what the fantasy stuff. And, uh, you know, if anyone is going through fantasy woes, I, I, you know, it's kind of funny that if week one, you're going through it. If you, you know, if you had like Aaron Rodgers or Joe Burrow in your starting lineup. So hopefully week two is a little bit better for us. So, but, uh, anyways, you guys, that's pretty much it for me. I just want, like I mentioned to do a quick episode Kind of go over week one, preview a little bit of week two, chit chat a little bit about some of the teams that's that's going on, give you my thoughts about them. 
Uh, I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts. So if there's any of your teams that you want me to talk about or you want to give your thoughts on, uh, you know, please leave it in the comments below or, you know, shoot us a DM. Let us know on Instagram or TikTok or Facebook, all the other social media sites like I mentioned. So, uh, but before we go to, if you could do me a huge favor, guys, please hit that follow button, hit that subscribe button. So that way you guys can keep up with us on our podcast and on YouTube. Uh, you know, again, follow us on all the social media platforms. I also give a big shout out to our affiliate partners at fnxfit.com, uh, fanatics.com, and SeatGeek. Uh, all the descriptions to our partners are going to be in the episode description below with all the links too. So, you know, SeatGeek, if you guys aren't aware of that, it's a, you know, ticketing app. It can give you tickets to concerts, sporting events, plays, you name it, it's on there. Uh, you know, even WWE wrestling tickets, uh, AEW wrestling tickets, I've seen those on there too. Uh, use our promo code DrewCode and you guys will get $20 off your first order. And uh, the cool thing about that app too is like, it'll tell you where the seat is at. It'll color code it to green or red. Green obviously being the best seat choice for that price range, it'll tell you. And then red being the poorest or not poorest, but the worst option, I would say. Uh, but it's a really function, it's great functioning ticket app. So highly recommend using it. Again, use Drew code to get $20 off your first order. Uh, and then fnxfit.com has been a partner with us from the very beginning. Uh, you know, Drew and I have kind of talked about how we've gotten back into trying to get back into better shape and stuff. And, you know, I'm more of the merchandise kind of a guy, but I have used their, uh, I've used their protein powder, which is great. I'm using their creatine. Drew's used their creatine and their protein powder. It's actually really great, high quality stuff. Uh, if you guys want a discount to that as well, you guys want to use Drew Code 15 to get 15% off of uh, any purchasing you do with FNX Fit. Uh, and again, use that special link there down below so that way we can get the credit for sending you guys over there. That'd be great. Uh, and then, of course, can't forget Fanatics. This is probably our, our biggest one. Uh, we have links to our favorite teams down below, but if you guys want to hit our special link, that's just for all teams. Click on that in our link description, and you guys can begin getting some uh, authentic NFL, NBA, MLB, WWE, F1, whatever other sports league that you're into. There's great merchandise, shirts, hats. Uh, I've seen sandals, slippers, pajamas, whatever it is, you name it, it's there. Uh, so just check out fanatics.com for all your uh, sports fanatics fan needs and go support our partners and, uh, you know, appreciate you guys supporting us. Uh, so like I said, that's it for me. I'm heading out. Uh, you might hear from Drew, though, in the next couple of days. So I would uh, keep your uh, I, I'd keep your radar up for that one. Uh, I think he's going to have an episode for you guys as well coming out soon. Uh, but I will catch you guys next week. I'll try to recap you guys on week two and preview week three as well. I look forward to connecting with all you guys. So again, I will see you all later. And hit us up at DrewCodeSportsTalk.com for more content. And I am out. So I'll see you.